You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 866 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Thursday morning now. It's very late in the evening. Actually, it's about 1 a.m. as I'm recording this, but the NBA draft finally took place on Wednesday after all of that preparation time, you know, eight full months of just NBA draft, basically, and even longer than that, a 17-month NBA draft cycle, all kinds of prep for one night of action and uh, obviously some stuff to inform your thinking moving forward. But the Atlanta Hawks had a busy night, but actually... They stayed pat, which was not exactly expected necessarily, especially when you throw in a second round pick. But the Hawks stayed at 6 and 50, made a pair of picks. Travis Schlank talked about all of them, as well as the fact that, you know, we will spin it forward later on in the show talking about the free agency stuff that's going to be happening beginning on on Friday, I should say. Uh, and plenty to discuss, obviously, on this podcast. But if you are a new listener, welcome to the party. If you're a, re- a recurring listener, thank you as always for joining us. And we'll dive in first on the top line thought of the night, which is, of course, the acquisition of Onyeka Kongwu out of USC. Um, he was one of the guys that I discussed on yesterday's sort of wrap-up podcast, and I've, I've talked, about him, about, talked about him a ton in the last several months. I like this pick. That's the top-line thought that I have, is that I like this selection. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a 1,000% approval rating that I've seen so far from Hawks fans, but I think in general people do tend to understand the selection, and uh, as I said yesterday, he would have been high on my list of guys. I've talked about him throughout the process. He ended this cycle at number four on my overall big board. So in theory, just simply put, if you're if you're at six and I think you're the fourth best player on the, on the board, that's a good value. And when he was drafted, he was technically number two on my overall board, but behind Killian Hayes. And those guys are in the same tier together. And Hayes, basically, by the time the draft arrived, it didn't seem like there's any chance the Hawks were going to take Hayes. And there was at least a question about the fit there with Trey Young, et cetera, et cetera. So quite frankly... In terms of best player available choices, Okongwu would be it for me. And I said as much on yesterday's podcast. So that's the top line for me is that best player available, it's not always that necessarily clear cut, but I think Travis Schlenk approaches it that way to some degree. And I think there are fit questions that we'll get to later on in the podcast, but Okongwu is a very, very good player. And as a result of that, it's pretty easy to be excited about this young man and all that he can basically bring to the Atlanta Hawks. So you know, Okongwu is not a, you know, completely flawless prospect. He is someone who has some questions. At the same time, he's pretty well-rounded in a lot of ways. I would encourage you, if you want to, go back and listen to it. I talked about this with Brian Schroeder specifically on its own episode about Okongwu uh, a few weeks ago. And honestly, throughout the process, he's been a big part of the conversation. But this is a 19-year-old guy. He'll be, he'll, he'll be turning 20 in December, so not the youngest guy in the draft. But a one-and-done guy, still very young, well-rounded, 6'9", 7-foot wingspan, a player that is really a two-way player in the best possible way. Defensively, is more of his calling card right now. He's versatile defensively. He can protect the rim. He can play out in space. He can rebound. He can do everything that you would want in a modern center defensively, uh, he would bring. The only, I guess, small thing would be that you would want him to be two inches taller, maybe. But other than that, I don't don't worry too much about that. I guess in a perfect world, He'd be a little bit bigger, and there maybe will be matchups where like Joel Embiid could, could give him trouble in the future. Guys like that, Jokic, guys who are legitimately you know seven one, seven two, and bulky might be a question. But in general, the comparisons to Bam Adebayo are, are a little bit are a little bit lofty for my taste. 
but that kind of mold, a little bit smaller, but a full-time center for the most part, and a guy who can really play defense. Travis Slank talked about all kinds of defensive stuff when we uh, talked to him later on after the draft. I'll play some of that audio for you later on the podcast. But basically, defensively, there aren't a ton of questions. He's really, really good on that end of the floor, and for me, the safest bet to be a good defensive player, at least versatile in the entire draft, perhaps, in terms of big men. Um, James Wiseman has the physical tools, but a Kongwu more polished at this point in time and more versatile in a lot of ways. So love that side of the ball. Um, offensively, there's a lot to like as well. He isn't necessarily going to be a super-duper star offensively, but a guy who can certainly finish around the rim. He was highly efficient at USC. Um, Travis Schlenk thinks he can shoot it, and I do I do too. That was part of the part of the evaluation. We saw a small part of it was the fact that he shot the ball well at the free-throw line. He has good touch. That's very evident, and I think that's important that he can sort of expand. But even right now, without the jump shot being a full-fledged part of the arsenal, the passing is okay. The finishing is good. Um, the motor is really good. I think he can attack. He can sort of attack mismatches and uh, just do a lot of little things on offense. Be a nice pick and roll threat for Trey Young. Just a lot of basically just a player that does not have a ton of weaknesses. In fact, he's one of the guys in the entire draft, maybe the highest floor guy in the class for me. Um, not necessarily by himself, but certainly among that in that discussion. And floor is sometimes a complicated thing to talk about in the NBA. But I think Kongwu is going to be a good, useful player at the um, even even in modest terms. And I think the upside is pretty clearly high around that. So. Obviously, there's a lot I've said about him in the in the uh, previous days. There'll be more that I say in the coming days. But that's sort of a broad overview of what you're getting for a Kongwu. He's a just a two-way, versatile, modern big man who can do a lot of things well. It doesn't really take anything off the table, and that's what you're selecting at number six overall in this class. We will dive more into a Kongwu and Skylar Mays, the second-round pick, and Gordon Hayward, Danilo Gallinari, and more. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, I can break through it right now with Built Go every single day. And Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink. Energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and it's natural. Built Go is easy to take a one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or your pocket, get you through whatever you're facing today. Built Go is essentially a five hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body as a result. And there are three delicious flavors to choose from in chocolate mint, peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut. Built Go is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to on a regular basis, and sometimes I need a little bit extra to get through the day and the night, but Built Go is a fantastic solution to break through my own wall in order to try it for yourself. Visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, we could dive into some more stuff with the Kongwu now. I will just say, um, in terms of money stuff, this, there's, there's some details to hash out here, but um, according to what I can find, he's now guaranteed about $5.8 million this season, $6.1 million for the following year with two uh, team options after that. Um, none of that is surprising, of course. That's sort of the locked-in number for number six overall. It was, it was all priced in. We know where the Hawks were picking, so the cap space does not adjust throughout that. So that's one thing on the top line. Um, we can sort of dive into what Travis Schlenk said about all parties. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about Skylar Mays for a second. Um, this will sort of we'll, we'll weave back and forth between Okongwu and Mays here. But Mays is a guy at 50 that's totally fine with me. He was one of my top 45 prospects. Not a huge splash. He was not the number one guy that I had on my board at 50, but um, one of the better players that I think the Hawks could have gotten in that spot. A good value. Kamo going out of LSU, he is a little bit older. He's 23. That's one of the uh, knocks if you want to find one against him. But again, at 50 overall... That isn't a huge concern. Defensively, I like him a lot. He's uh, you know, 6'4, 6'6, 6'7 wingspan, something like that. Travis Slank was pretty high on his body type um in talking to him 
after the uh, draft tonight. But Mays can shoot a little bit. Shot 39% from three at LSU during his senior season. Had good catch and shoot numbers. Not a guy who's going to create a ton on the ball, but in Atlanta, he won't have to. This is not a backup point guard type for me. He's definitely more of a two in a lot of ways, but would be, be a good fit with Trey Young in, ter- in terms of potentially long-term. Again, this is a second-round pick. Probably is not going to play for you much, if at all, this year. But a guy who could probably, con- uh, I would say, contribute more than a typical number 50 overall pick because he's, he is a little bit older and uh, experienced. So a good defender. Definitely a role player for sure through and through, which is what you probably would expect at that point in the draft. But a guy that I like that pick, he was not number one again for me at that at that point in time, but certainly one of the top five or six guys available at that point and a good value. And all things considered, I was kind of surprised the Hawks just stuck, sort of stood there and, and drafted someone because they have not done that much in the Travis Schlenk era. So totally fine with that pick and uh, sign me up for that overall. Um, from there, I want to play some audio for you now from Travis Schlank to sort of give his opinion because obviously he is the decision maker that is involved here. He opened up and talking to the media um, after the draft by saying that they felt good about, as the day went on that Okongo would be there for them at number six overall. And they, he used the word, quote, ecstatic to get him at number six overall. He said as well they'd be comfortable with him from the start of this entire process. Really, really narrowed down in the last 24 to 36 hours that they were going to try to take him. They felt good about getting him at that point in time. And by the way, I was on the Hawks.com live uh, sort of YouTube broadcast on Wednesday night during the draft, and Travis actually was on right after I was, and I heard that interview as well. He referred to Okongwu as an unbelievable person, also said that um, you know character has been high on the list of uh, what, they're, what they're trying to do with the Hawks, and, and, and I quote, he certainly checks that box in a big way, end quote, was the way he discussed Okongwu. And then from there, you know, all the stuff that he said on there, he, talk, he talks about it again now, so I'm going to play some of the audio for you, but the first piece of audio that I want to play for you. I'm going to sort of stay in order of the way that it was asked of Travis. First piece of audio that I want to play for you is that he was asked about trade scenarios because that was, of course, coming into the draft. There was tons of stuff around the Hawks about trading down or out. Not a ton about going up, and honestly, that, that never even came up in the uh, post-game interview. Um, not necessarily a surprise there. I think it was always a long shot, and Travis said as much. But he was asked about trade scenarios and sort of what was out there for the Hawks. So I want to play that audio for you right now. Well, you know, obviously we liked O, but to be completely frank with you, um, you know, we let it be known that if the team wanted to trade up, uh, you know, it would cost them a future first, uh, and nobody was really willing to do that. And the other caveat we had is we didn't really want to fall back outside of the top ten. We were comfortable sliding back, you know, two or three spots, but we didn't want to go back to the mid-teens. And, you know, there are some offers to go back that far, um, but we really felt like the, the group of guys that we liked uh, it was best for us to stay inside the top 10 and get that pick. And at the end of the day, um, you know, no teams wanted to do that. So you hear there that he, they were at least open to trades, which is kind of funny because of course they said, um, and he said on the record earlier this week that they were maybe, uh, I would say resigned to sticking at six and they were kind of making that very known. That was always going to be an option, but certainly they were going to trade the pick if they could potentially. And I think that's clear in the answer that they were waiting for a specific package. I tend to agree. That's what you kind of are looking for there. I know there are certain fans that want to get, you know, sort of put the pedal to the metal right now and get better. But if you hear that, Schleck talks about a future pick. And I think that makes a lot of sense because next year's draft is much better than this year's draft. If you want to get a future first round pick involved, that's a good archetype for doing that. But if that wasn't out there, I totally get it. And also I think, Judging by that answer, I want to stay in the top 10. He probably had a tier of six, seven guys that he liked. And once you get past like 10, 11, that's hard to sort of guarantee yourself. So 
You can argue with the way that they viewed that. Obviously, there isn't a ton more detail on that front, but that makes a lot of sense to at least have a plan. If you can't get what you want, you can just pass and take the guy that you want, and obviously that was going to be Okongwu, but that was interesting that I thought that he expounded on that kind of almost voluntarily throughout that process. Um, From there, he was asked also about uh, Okongwu's defense and overall profile, so I wanted to play you what he said about that. Yeah, that's certainly his strength going to come into the NBA, right? Um, You know, he's, he's going to be a plus rebounder defensively, um, he's going to be a rim protector. Um, and the other thing that he does, he moves his feet very, very well in pick and roll coverages. And as you guys know, it's extremely important for big guys to be able to guard in pick and rolls. And those are his strengths coming in. Uh, he's got great instincts. He's got good hands. Um, so we're really excited about his potential there. And, and we think he's just scratching the surface of what he can be offensively, you know, offensively, um, he had, again, I said he's got great hands. Like he's going to catch everything offensively. Um, those late passes, slip passes, lob passes. So um, you know, we we think he's a good fit for the way we play. I think it's clear that his strength is defensively. As I said before, you know, the rebounding numbers and stuff like that is are pretty positive. As, as Schleck notes, there his pick and roll defense is a big time plus. That's a, that's a huge factor for Atlanta, as he says there. Offensively, I agree about the scratching the surface offensively part. Catching his, I mean, his hands are really, really, really impressive. Um, and that's a huge factor in a lot of ways when, when you're trying to catch lobs and sort of do the dirty work that he's going to be able to do. So that's a pretty interesting look at how the Hawks are seeing him at this point in time. From there, Schleck was actually asked about what stood out overall about Okongwu, just as a follow-up to that. He talked about his improving um, defensively as a team, I would say. He talked about the fact that the Hawks need to improve defensively as a team. That's not a huge surprise. The addition of Capella helps that as well, but just sort of having that stable of frontcourt guys is very important when your foundation defensively is as big men most of the time. That's a huge factor. And then from there, Schlenk said that he uh, talks about his potential to shoot, as I said before. He said the Hawks think that he'll be able to extend his range out to three-point line at some point in time. I would back that up. It's not a, it's not an absolute guarantee, nor does he have to have it, but it's definitely a plus if he can shoot a little bit. Free throw shooting there is pretty impressive, and his touch, I think, on on film kind of jumps off the page a little bit if you look at a Kongwu on film. There is a little bit of more audio for you from Travis Slank, as well as my thoughts on the Frasian stuff that was out there and the trade rumor stuff that was out there in the last couple of days. Before we get to that, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, and the uh, Travis Slink press conference after the fact was not terribly long. Of course, he had other things to go and tend to at this point in time. It was not going to be one of those half-hour marathon um, Zoom sessions. But there was one question about Skylar Mays, so I wanted to pass the answer along to you about Mays. He was sort of ashes, broadly speaking, what the Hawks see in Skylar. So this is what he had to say about the second-round pick. Yeah, we had Skyler ranked a lot higher. Um, you know, a four-year guy, um, an extremely smart basketball player, um, an ex- you know, a very good body, um, combo guard. So, you know, just high basketball IQ, a uh, skilled player. So, you know, we were excited when he was there because, like I said, we, we had him ranked much higher than, than that. Of course, a uh... – player that was just selected by the team he's always going to say it was a little bit higher on that player than was actually reported out there and and also that was uh that, that makes sense with just the fact that they actually drafted him but i back that up i'm not sure where the where they would have had maze on their board but again he was higher than 50 for me so that all makes a little bit of sense through that lens i think his basketball iq is pretty impressive on film i'd recommend um a deep dive from 
Wes Morton on PeachtreeHoops.com about Skylar Mays. And by the way, Glenn Willis wrote about Onyeka Okongwu um, for our profile series. We, we did more than 100, by the way, more than 100 scouting reports in advance of the NBA draft. And those were two of them. So shouts to Glenn and Wes for their work there. And those are, those are very, very useful looks at these two guys. And those are actually going to be pinned to the Peachtree Hoops front page if you want to find them. But... Um, I did have Mace a little bit higher as well. He is skilled, combo guard stuff, as I, said, as I said before. I think defensively, he's a little bit more advanced than offensively, but someone who, who could make a shot, knock down stuff, just kind of be in the right place at the right time, move the ball, etc. So I do think that he has a chance to be a valuable role player in the future. Okay, back to Okongwu for a second. Um, Schleck was asked about an assessment, basically, of the overall big men conundrum, because, of course, that's the big talking point now. If you like Okongwu, that's one thing, but also there's this there's this faction, and I totally understand it to some degree anyway, about just kind of worrying about the next steps for the front court, because there is now, um, I was hearing it described as a logjam, etc. So I want to play the audio from Travis, and I'll sort of react to it, but here's what he had to say when he was asked to sort of assess the big men situation after adding Okongwu. Yeah, no, I I think I think we obviously have a nice group, and you know I would include Bruno Fernando in there, you know who we're obviously high on uh, as well. Um, but you know Anakla is going to come in, and you know he's going to have to compete for his minutes. Um, you know, obviously Dwayne's essentially an expiring contract for us, but you know he's been with us, and he's a veteran, and he's a good communicator, um, and Clint's a proven player. So I, I think it's just a positive for all our guys. Um, you know, to have to be able to compete for for their minutes and playing time, that just increases the whole level of our team. It is kind of wild to consider where the Hawks were uh, a year ago at this point in time with regard to centers. They spent most of the last season with Damian Jones and Bruno Fernando, who was overmatched as a rookie. There was some Alex Lennon there who was okay, but for the most part, center was a wasteland last year for the Hawks. That was not a secret by any means. And I think now they've invested so much in it, people are a little bit weirded out by that. Um, you heard there in the answer that um, Schleich made sure to include Bruno Fernando in the mix. That's noteworthy. I do think that Bruno probably suffers a little bit with this decision because Okongwu is obviously more talented and I think will be ahead of Fernando in, in the pecking order. Um, and you have Deadman as well. I, I heard a lot of people reacting about Deadman as like some sort of issue and it's not really a problem. I think any draft pick that was concerning Deadman would have been a misguided step. You don't have to think about Deadman. I, I'm, I'm actually pro Deadman. I like Deadman a lot. But in terms of impact on on his future, you know, it's going to be a follow of some sort with Deadman. But as Travis said there, He's basically he's basically a uh, expiring contract, and they did trade for Deadman. I'm fond of reminding people of this, but they traded for Deadman after trading for Capella. They knew Capella was going to be on the team, and they went and got Deadman anyway. So they knew that Deadman was going to be a supporting player. That has not changed. Um, I think his role obviously decreases a little bit on the court with the Congo in the mix. But Deadman, a lot of, a lot of the reason why they traded for him was to a get off Jabari Parker's contract, but also the fact that they liked Edmund in the locker room as a veteran presence, et cetera. So you can litigate that if you'd like to, but I think that obviously there's more depth there, but there's plenty of minutes to go around. That's my overarching thought on, on a Kongo right now. I think long-term, if, if a Kongo is as good as you think you might be long-term, there is a decision that might have to be made at some point between Capella and Okongwu in terms of if those guys are both centers, um, Okongwu is maybe too good to just be in that role for long term. But, you know, for this season, not a problem at all. Okongwu can be that third, fourth big. It's totally fine. Um, long term, maybe. But I think the three-headed monster of Okongwu, Collins, and Capella is intriguing, especially because Okongwu can actually play a little bit of four. I think Okongwu and Capella is not the greatest fit in the world. Um, that's worth noting because I mean, ideally, if you were to have that three-man combination, they could all play with each other. I think Okongwu and Capella would be a little bit overkill, but 
I think Collins and Okongwu would, would be actually would be quite good together. Um, Okongwu could, could even play with Deadman potentially. Um, but just regardless, I think that that's not a problem right now. It's not a logjam. There are enough minutes available long term, maybe. But honestly, Capella's on a movable contract. None of that stuff is a problem. People were asking me if this is like you know, is this is this uh, some, do you have to trade Collins? Do you have to trade Capella? No. Absolutely not, especially with Collins. I mean, I understand the thought process, I guess, to some degree, but Collins is not really affected by this as much. Uh, Capella is a question mark, to be sure, but again, Akong was a five. And, you you know, that was something that Travis actually asked about tonight. I don't have the audio for you, but positionally, he said he's a primary five, but he did reference his ability to play some four because of his defensive versatility, etc. You know, he's a five. That's that's totally fine, and that doesn't really affect John Collins. Um if they had dropped it over top, and it would have been more alarming on that front. But really, it's it's Capella. But again, Capella was just moved. He's a very very um, reasonable contract. If you got to the point, it's it's a good problem to have. If Akongwu was so good, they feel like you need to move off from Capella. That's a, a rich man's problem in a year or two from now. So I wouldn't worry too much. I know that it's not like a need pick, but they don't they, they don't really have gaping holes anyway. So I get all that. I want to at least say it out loud. And Big Man is now a potential strength for the Hawks, whereas it wasn't before. Because honestly. You have Collins playing a little bit of center probably um, at some point in time, but you have these three guys who, um, in Capella, Okongwu, and Debman, who are all almost certainly going to be NBA rotation players next season. And then Bruno as depth, if you get an injury or two, an injury or two you, might, you might see some Bruno Fernando as well. That's a pretty good um, quartet. Um, so, yeah, no, not a problem whatsoever. And that's my final thought for now. But we'll come back to that, I'm sure, at some point, because I'm sure I'll be getting questions about this for a long, long time. That was the number one question, of course, after uh, Congo was drafted was like, what happens now in the front court? And my answer is nothing. <laughs> Those guys can all be on the team together. It's totally fine. Could they make a trade? Sure. I'm not telling you that, that they couldn't, but um, they don't need to do anything. There's no urgency whatsoever to sort of correct a problem that's not really there at this point in time. So, last thing on Schlenk's audio front there was some chatter early in the day with some vague reporting. About a foot injury for Okongwu, um, it was made out to be a little bit sounding worse than it might have been um, at one point in time this morning into the early afternoon. Then there was some reported from ESPN that sort of said, look, it's a toe injury. It was, it was reported as a foot injury, then it was a toe injury that was not serious by the ESPN guys. And that was that was a nice clarification if you wanted Okongwu on the roster. Um, Schlenk sort of bolstered that when asked about it and downplaying the long-term issue. So I wanted to play the audio uh, just so you can all hear what Travis had to say about the injury that Okongwu currently has. Yeah, so um, we got, we did, we're able to get a physical on him, um, and our doctors looked at the MRI. Um, I can't remember the name of the bone, but there's there's a bone underneath the big toe that's got a small stress factor in it. Uh, we're going to get him in here, get another MRI on it, make sure it's healing well. Um, but the doctors, they weren't concerned about it being a long-term injury at all. Um, so hopefully, you know, it, it's healed from when the MRI was taken, uh, probably about four weeks ago. Um, but it, it's really hard to say until we get him here and we get our doctors to see him. But th- there was no concern of a long-term injury with him. Clearly, it's better if he doesn't have injury at all. That's that's worth saying out loud. But I would see the worry a little bit more if there was not a medical evaluation involved here. And with the pandemic, that was definitely a question, for, especially for teams drafting a little bit later, was if teams would actually have medical information. The clarity there that Travis provides is that the team had an MRI, the team had a full medical on a Kongwu. That's encouraging. And if they think there's no long-term issue, I'm not going to argue with that whatsoever. We'll see how that all looks moving forward. But I wouldn't worry too much. They wouldn't have drafted him. I would imagine if that was a long-term concern for them. you got, you got to trust the doctors. And the Hawks have a pretty, a pretty good reputation um, through that lens. So keep that all in mind. But again, overall, my thoughts on a Kongwu and Mays is very positive. Like, is it an absolute like A-plus 
Maybe not, but it's certainly a, a very strong draft in my view for Atlanta. You could nitpick it if you would like to, but my uh, my overarching take is that this is a positive night for the Hawks. I, I know there were pieces of people that liked other players, and look, you know, Akongwu didn't have to be the pick there. I think once Isaac Okoro went four, uh, sorry, Isaac Okoro went five, that was the other guy that I would have at least been considering. Patrick Williams was a kind of surprise at four, but um, I have no issue whatsoever with going with the Kongwu over guys like Avdia. Uh, and by the way, Tyrese Halliburton fell to 12, which was a big surprise in a lot of ways. Uh, Devin Vassell 11. So I think it was pretty, uh, pretty standard, pretty solid for the Hawks and a pretty good night overall through that draft lens. Before we get out of here on this evening, as I'm now long past 1 a.m., there was a little bit of a, of a development on the free agent front in two different ways. I want to at least touch on that quickly before we get out of here. Uh, on the Gordon Hayward front, which we discussed yesterday at nauseum on the podcast, I woke up to uh, Jared Weiss of The Athletic reporting on Wednesday morning that Gordon Hayward, quote, wants to, continue, wants to continue being a core part of a winning team it would not want to go to Atlanta, end quote. From there, Weiss notes that the Hawks rumor, quote, seems like posturing to create a perception of leverage, end quote. That sounds a lot like something that I would say <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, from there, Zach Lowe, Brian Windhorse talked about this on the ESPN's Who Collective podcast. Windhorse said that it's a poorly kept secret that Hayward's been looking around for options for the last month. But Lowe says, in terms of the reported Hawks interest, that it's going to be the leverage play for Gordon if it exists. And uh, by the way, just sort of theorizing there, Lowe says that if Boston is uh, going to cooperate with an opt-in and trade, Hayward needs to have some something to convince them that he'll walk away and the Hawks are pretty much the natural stalking horse for that. So nothing definitive there necessarily in terms of like something you have to like take away, but certainly um, that jives with all the, all the stuff about Atlanta as a leverage spot that I've been saying forever. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to pick and choose and like the guys that I like versus the guys that I, that I don't like for the Hawks and for agency. So I'll just say it across the board. If you're a new listener, I'm saying this for the last couple of weeks, the Hawks are going to be tied to everyone. Some of them are going to be leveraged. Some of them might be real, as well. In fact, there's a guy that we're about to talk about that could be uh, some of both of those, but I think it's important to just be sort of consistent on this and say that a lot of the noise about the Hawks, at least to some degree, is going to be leverage. It won't all be, but it, some of it is going to be, and that's sort of the reporting that was out there from The Athletic and ESPN on that front. The other guy is Danilo Gallinari, who is a veteran forward, 32-year-old, a great offensive player in a lot of ways. He would help the Hawks offensively quite a bit, and, um, you know, age-wise, defense-wise especially, fit-wise in the front court because uh, Gallinari is really a straight power forward at this point in time. I know there's a thought that I was hearing from people on my timeline on Thursday, oh, sorry, on Wednesday, they could, they could play some three. I mean, I guess offensively he could play some three, but um, we'll get into that in a second. But Mark Stein of the New York Times reported that there was a, quote, growing belief among rival teams, end quote, that the Hawks would be in, quote, pole position, end quote, for Gallinari and also for Rajon Rondo. We have discussed Rondo on the last couple of podcasts uh, in the last couple of weeks, I guess, or so. I would still guess that he'll go to a contender as far as Rondo is concerned. There is some smoke there. There's multiple sources now talking about Rondo as an option for the Hawks. Um, we'll see what happens there. The Hawks do need a backup point guard still after tonight, so that's a potential fit, but we'll see what happens on that front. But Gallinari is new, obviously, in terms of the actual public reporting. Zach Harper of The Athletic confirmed that the sentiments about the Hawks being in prime position for him was actually accurate from what he's been hearing as well. But Harper, uh, who's a friend of the podcast, by the way, noted that um, sort of what I've been saying the whole time is that there's a real thought the Hawks are the leverage team across the board for almost everyone. And a negotiating point is the way that he put it for other teams and other, ta- uh, other teams, agents, players, etc. 
Um, I didn't see or hear this, but Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer also said that he apparently has been uh, hearing about Gallinari and the Hawks in free agency. So some data points there. Again, Gallinari's good at basketball, but he is 32, and the fit is just, you know, I understand he's good and the offensive fit will be good. The fit is not very good. <laughs> I'll just say that, that's my opinion. I'm not going to swear on this one. It's not a very good fit. Um, you know, the, the way that I would compare this to is, uh, is Dallas Bertans. They're not the same player, but they're both power forwards with defensive questions um, and offensive strengths. Um, Bertans is much more of a bomber, um, long-range shooter. Gallinari can shoot, but he's definitely more of a nuanced, like, multi-level scorer. More of a scorer than a shooter, even though he can shoot. Bertans is just pretty much a shooter. But those two guys, um, Gallinari is even older. He is better, by the way, than Bertans. That's important to note, is that Gallinari is good. He's probably one of the best five free agents on the market in terms of just actual play right now. But defensively, I just don't see a path to that working um, with the current roster. If there was a trade, sure. But if you just put him on the roster right now, he's a four. So is John Collins. Um, you know, that just kind of doesn't work <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like, Gallinari could help you. But for me, I'm theorizing the following. I think that if you're going to sign Gallinari, you have to pay a pretty penny for him because he's going to have some market. And for him to come to Atlanta on a probably a non-title contender for next season, he isn't going to take a discount to come to Atlanta, especially when he may not even start. Um, I think you probably would start him at the three just because he's a veteran player, but you know that does not really work in a lot of ways defensively. So I get it on all, on all sides. There might be enough minutes to go around for everyone if you want to be uh, really creative there, but just the way that usually works with guys who are as good as Gallinari is that he's going to want some, some some assurances, and the fit just with the rest of the roster, with Collins, etc., is not the best in the world. So Gallo's good. Um, he would help the Hawks for sure, you know, full stop. If they added him to a contract, you know, if you if you, if you just ignored contract, age, length, length of deal, money, all that stuff, better or worse with him on the team or not, you would say better because you know at, at the very least he, he could be your backup power forward and be good at that and maybe play a little bit and give you some depth but he's just probably too good for that role so we'll see what happens there um this one does feel like leverage to me there was actually a report right after that that um the Mavs were in discussions about a sign and trade for Gallinari that kind of fizzled a little bit throughout the day and uh, it's gonna get wild again the next few days um Friday is the free agency open but obviously there's been so much tampering so much reported so far that it almost almost doesn't even matter when free agency starts in a lot of ways so it's a frenzy maybe we'll have a little bit of a respite on Thursday in terms of just new new rumors but I probably doubt it (laughs) there'd be a lot of stuff going on as well and uh Gallinari Hayward Rondo uh and then you get back to the guys that we've been talking about the entire time your Joe Harris's your uh Jeremy Grant's etc so Lots of names, lots of stuff to talk about, and uh, I am planning to do one more podcast this week. That's worth noting as well. Um, I try to stick to the during-the-week schedule right now because that's what the network wants, uh, sort of that Monday through Friday. If we get an emergency stuff on the weekend, especially with free agency, I might pop in, but uh, we'll do one more Thursday night, most likely. That'll be the Friday podcast this week, and then we'll uh, go into the weekend and hope nothing crazy happens on Friday morning or something like that. But... Please subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully this is a good wrap-up for everybody on the draft. Again, I recommend peachtreegroups.com. There's tons of written content about the Hawks, as well as a lot of the content that's still in the archive of this podcast on the draft. You can go back and listen to a Kong Wu thoughts that I've had. There's one episode in particular with Brian Schroeder where we talk about a Kong Wu for 20 minutes-ish, just just him. So that's all still relevant information at this point in time. And then Maze is a guy who has a deep dive on Peter Hoops as well. So thank you for listening to the podcast. It's been a lot of fun to talk about the draft. We'll do a little bit of a postmortem on that the next couple of days and weeks, but um, free agency is going to be coming. So normally we'd probably do a little bit more like a full week, basically, on draft recap. 
Um, now it's kind of spinning forward a little bit more. We won't do quite as much on that because there's just not time to do that. So we'll talk about it again for sure, preview the season because training camp opens in like 10 days, 12 days, something like that. If you are a Hawks fan, it's getting very, very close, very, very busy at this point in time. But if you're a new subscriber or a new listener, I should say, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show and we'll see you in about 24 hours.